podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time for the 600th episode of Bosco's Boys. We have the away win, or no, excuse me, the home win over the Baylor Bears and the road win. The boys got to go get some ice cream after the game at Oklahoma State. We'll end with just kind of uh, some, some of my own personal thoughts and thank yous as we have hit 600 episodes. Before we get into it, and hell, they, they might deserve another thank you at the end of the show. That is Manhattan Brewing Company. Not only do they have the best brewery, craft brewery in the entire state of Kansas, not only are they distributing all throughout the state, and soon they'll be in the Kansas City Metro as well, but they also have a fully stocked bar with signature cocktails as, as well. I've said this time and time again that it doesn't matter what your taste is when it comes to beer. Your favorite beer is waiting for it, Manhattan Brewing Company. But even if you don't, even if you don't believe me, even if you're saying Scott, I don't like beer. Well, guess what? They have cocktails there as well. They have all you need to have a fun time. You and your buddies down in downtown Manhattan on points the next time you come to town. Folks, absolutely massive, massive two games for K-State basketball. Uh, Completing the season sweep of Oklahoma State, completing the season sweep of the Baylor Bears. We'll talk about both those games and how it's setting K-State up as you know, as I'm recording this, two weeks out from selection Sunday, um, I, I'll admit, you know, I've been looking at all sorts, all sorts of bracketology. I've been trying to figure out where I think our seed is going to land and where our opening two round games might be. And I, folks, I've forgotten how much fun uh, this is. You know, I haven't done a massive deep dive into you know who the possible 15 and 14 seeds might be, who the, uh, I guess it'd be six, I guess it'd be six and 11s uh, that you could possibly play, or uh, seven and, it'd be seven and 12s. No, it's five and 12. What am I thinking? Seven and 10. I'm a, I'm sorry. I just, I, Oh man, it, it's 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 been a long weekend. But no, I, I haven't gone that deep into studying the S curve quite yet. But I I've really zeroed in, and, and I think, and and I'll talk about this at the end. I I think K State has put themselves in a position where we will be in either Des Moines, Iowa, or Denver, Colorado for the opening two rounds. Before we get to it, let, let's start with that Baylor game first. We talked about it. Uh, during the live show, but I do want to revisit it because I, I think for a few reasons, 
it was a massive win. Um, not only come from behind victory, dominating the second half, which, again, <laughs> I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I would love for this team to come out the gates, come out the tunnel swinging, uh, you know, have the lead at halftime and just, you know, have a zero stress second half. But all three of the games in this winning streak have been a come from behind victory for the team. And I, I do think it says a lot. And I, I and, and I have to say, I, I'm very pleased with it. I, I go back to that Iowa State game where all the momentum has, had kind of left the building, the wind was out of the sails for the team, and they have that first half versus Iowa State, and you're thinking, oh boy, here we go again. And then they just turn around and get it done the second half. Uh, you had a little bit of that with Baylor as well. Again, you give up a 21-3 to run. And, and I do think that there, it, there, is, there, there is an issue with this team when it comes to giving up these massive runs. I think now at this point we are either we came into the weekend the second worst team and giving up double digit to zero runs. Uh, we gave up two or I think we gave up two of those versus Oklahoma State. So we now might be the worst team in the conference. Um but but we have the ability to get on these hot streaks uh, as well. Desi Sills really in that Baylor game towards the end of the second half uh, had, and credit where credit's due, Tyke Green also had a, a lot to say with this. In the final 45 seconds, Desi Sills got two buckets uh, that stopped a big run by Baylor after Casey had gotten up double digits uh, to close it into something a little bit more manageable. And really, they locked in in that second half. Now, I, I think a lot of folks in, in, are, are looking to the defense. And, you know, holding Baylor to 65 points, that is good. And I think a lot of folks are looking towards, you know, Adam Flagler going 1 of 13 from the field and really say, oh, man, it really was the defense that, that stepped it up in the second half. Well, really, if you look at it, you know, we, we, we gave up, what what was it, 31 points in the uh, second half? half you know we gave up 34 in the first um i i feel like first to second half i think it was a pretty balanced game on defense what really happened was the team came out started hitting their shots and then as what i think i mean what outside of free throw line 21 times hits 15 of those uh just getting to the free throw line and hitting those shots had been absolutely massive. Marquise Noel, again, he's in the field first, Baylor, but he was able to connect on all 10 of his free throws, getting him up to 14 points in that game. And he had 10 assists, giving him another points and assist double-double. Absolutely massive game. 10 points, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, 2 assists. Keontae Jones points, 4 assists. Again, uh, Naquan Tomlin, eight points in only 19 minutes. Desi Sills got you rebounds, three assists, one turnover, six points. David Gasson, seven points off the bench. Ish Masood, five points off the bench. Neither one of them playing a ton of minutes, but both of them being efficient from the floor.
Guys, look. When you look at that Baylor game, that is the type of game that you might second in the NCAA tournament. Now, it's a game, and unless it's in Kansas City and you're not dealing with KU fans, you're not dealing with Iowa State fans, you're not dealing with Missouri fans, Iowa like if you can get Kansas City as a region basically to yourself, uh, you have a shot, but most likely you're not going to have a home court advantage to do it. So I, I know this is trying to turn apples into orange juice, but that second half is the blueprint to win a second weekend game. And again, you you have to win games to get there first. I'm not I'm not penciling or even you know thinking about just mailing it in until the second round of the tournament because uh, you guys have been watching college basketball this year. You you can't do that. But it is having one of your superstars have a big-time game. That was Keontae Johnson. And then when you have your other superstar, who the shots just aren't falling, they're finding a way to be an impact player. Getting to the free-throw line and hitting those shots, distributing the ball and not turning it over, Marquise Noel showed the blueprint of how we can get things done in the second weekend, if he's not hitting shots from the outside or hell, he wasn't hitting anything. Anything at all versus Baylor. And he was still able to have a massive impact, a massive positive impact on the game, especially through his distribution and really holding on to the ball. I was pumped after that game. And I, I think everyone should be because... Here's what that game really did. Again, we talked about it a little bit last week how K-State was the number four three seed, the final three seed in the bracket reveal. The NCAA Tournament Selection Committee came out and gave their top 16 seeds. K-State was sitting at 12. And getting that win... Another quad one win, another game directly against someone who is in front of you in that S curve, only makes that resume more tempting to slot at a two seed. That was absolutely massive. Coupling those two quad one wins together, and then again a third versus Oklahoma State in a 10-day span, or I guess it wasn't a 10-game span, or day span. It was a 7-day span with 3 games for almost everyone. Where a lot of your competitors and contenders for that 3 and 2 seed were dropping games. Now, it's not as fluid as the A people. I get it. But with that win versus Baylor, and then again, taking care of business down in Stillwater, while some of these other teams floundered a little bit, really does put you in a position where, okay, you can start dreaming and thinking about getting up to that two seed. The final updates before the weekend games by Jerry Palm and Joey Brackets over there, Joe Lenardi at ESPN, both had K-State up as a two seed. Now... How important that is versus a three seed? I, I mean, I don't know. I would always rather I'd always rather have the better seed, uh, and, and I'm not too worried about where that puts us regional wise. Uh, but but I'm excited. 
you know, having these thoughts, you know, basically anytime you take a step away from work, checking out bracketology sites and really diving deep into them. I mean, it's it, it's a lot of fun. It makes the week go by a, a lot more. It, it, I mean, it's a lot more fun and watching college basketball a lot more fun. Uh, so you watch that game, you get pumped. And honestly, you hear some of the stuff Scott Drew says, you know, the high praise for Keontae, the high praise for Marquise Noel. Of course, the love for Jerome Tang. Uh, you can't help but start to wonder, okay, can, can we get some uh, accolades? Can we get some awards for these guys? You know, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll probably have more of a reaction to that. At tomorrow's episode, I believe, uh, it's going to be a solo pod. Again, I, I've been trying to get some guests. Uh, I've been swinging for the fences, and I, I've been coming up short a little bit. Uh, so I apologize for that. But I, I, I think we might talk a little bit about Keontae and Marquise Noel um, when you start talking about all conference, start talking about all American type stuff, um, might talk about that a little bit tomorrow. But but you can't help but come away from that midweek game and get pumped for Oklahoma State. Now let, let's talk about that Oklahoma State game because um, this was a team Oklahoma State that is desperate to get to the NCAA tournament. Mike Boynton. If you look at his era, his time at Oklahoma State, uh, I, I I think he, I mean, I, I anytime I see folks like ranking the Big Twelve basketball coaches, um, and, and he's in the middle of the pack, I'm just surprised. I'm not a Mike Boynton fan. I think Oklahoma State's program uh, has been floundering um, ever since you know Brad Underwood left. Um, and I don't think Mike Boynton's the guy. Uh, but they're battling. They're on the bubble. This was a massive game for Oklahoma State if they want to make it to the NCAA tournament. They were the team that had everything on the line. They were the team that had to play desperate. They were the team that had to have that. That's a home game. You know, K-State on a three-game losing streak when it comes to... or. No, it's not three game, a five game losing streak when it comes to playing on the road. You know, they had to be sitting there thinking, this is our chance for another marquee win. This is our chance to get that much closer to punching our ticket to March Madness. And again, K-State kind of flounders towards the end of the first half. Oklahoma State has the lead at halftime. And it was, I mean, it was only two points. I mean, I think it was a pretty even first half. Uh, But but they have to be thinking to themselves, okay, here we go. And they do all this only for K-State, again, to really take care of business down the stretch. You know, Jerome Tang talked about Marquise Noel being the closer, you know, a guy who is going to hit those free throws. And what's funny is he actually got jinxed. They were trying to podcast, and he did miss a free throw. But he was 9 of 10. 5 of 12 from the field, 3 of 8 from three-point. I mean, again, it was a massive game for Marquise Noel. Five rebounds, so he tied for... Yeah, he, he, I mean, Marquise tied for the game high in rebounds. And what? He tied with Keontae Johnson for most on K-State. Had eight assists. Now, he turned it over seven times, and and that was frustrating. Um, And and some of them were those real 
you know, frustrating, bang your head against the wall type turnovers. Um, you know, you, you got to call a spade a spade. But here's the thing about Marquise Noel when he has those turnovers. First off, again, he had he had zero versus Baylor. So, hey, you, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a regression to a mean. You're going to take three and a half turnovers, you know, a deuce with Marquise Noel and how he was distributing the ball, taking care of the ball over this two-game stretch. But even when he has, you know, those turnovers, and hell, even when he has, you know, those three-point shots, he was like, what, 0 of 3 from those, oh, no, 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 sometimes yes, three-pointers. Again, not great. 3 of 8 from 3, okay, not great. I mean, what, that's 40%? Again, I'm, I'm being a little hard on Mar- 38%. I'm being a little hard on Marquise. But but I think it's because we we, we have this expectation put on him uh, that he's the best player in the Big 12. So, uh, and, and hell, he, he might be the best player in the Big 12. So I think some of that sometimes does come with a little extra criticism when you have some of those wild shots, when you have those many turnovers, because here's the thing, and this is this is the whole point. This was a patented, uh, you know, it could have been a 15-second point turned into a two-minute point. The reason why he gets the freedom to try to make these Harlem Globetrotters Sports Center top 10 plays was shooting it from the logo, making these home run style passes, the reason why he's given the freedom to do all that is because he can do it all. If, if Jerome Tang, he likes to say, and this is like his favorite line, you know, Marquise Noel gets one vitamin a game. You know, you, you get one. You can chuck it up, and if you miss it, you're done. You know, but but let's be real. Marquise Noel does have a much longer leash, but he's shown he deserves it. He's shown he's deserved it. When he is going to shatter basically any single season assist, uh, you know, record at K-State, absolutely shatter it. When he's going to have one of the most prolific distribution seasons in Big 12 history, you're fine with him taking a couple extra chances a game that might result in a turnover. When he's, I think, what, top five in three-point percentage? You know, this year in the Big 12, uh, when he is a guy who has shown time and time again he can nail those logo threes. I mean, there's been a couple of times where he's hit two of those in a game. Okay, you're going to just throw your hands up and say, all right, you know what? I have enough belief in him that I'm fine with him taking that shot. I think that takes a lot. um, uh, I don't know what the right word is. I think it takes a lot for fans to kind of accept that because we've been drilled into our entire lives watching basketball games. Hey, you got to work for the, for the good shot. Oh, hey, you got to take care of the ball, protect the ball, all that type of stuff. It, it really is a uh, like a lose-lose, not a lose-lose, but it's a situation where, hey, you're going to be celebrated when it goes in. Uh, but again, because of how we've been conditioned to watch basketball, uh, w- when it goes wrong, we're all going to throw fits. And I'm right there with you. But again, Marquise Noah had another big game. He was the leading scorer at K-State. But I, I, I want to talk about Keontae Johnson on Saturday. And the reason why I want to talk about Keontae Johnson is this guy just continues, continues to be so efficient. 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 
from three. This guy needs to be more aggressive. We, we've seen it all season long where, Marque- or where Keontae Johnson, uh, and, and he's such an unselfish player. I think he's probably in the top 10, top 15. I think he's, excuse me, I think he's in the top 10 in assists in the Big 12. Let me pull it up real quick. Because the guy gets a lot of assists for being a big man. Assist, oh, no. <laughs> I was wrong. He's he's 19th with two, 2.1 assists per game. So, again. But he's still top 20. He's a top 20 assist guy as a forward. Uh, and, and this guy is so unselfish. And this guy should be more aggressive. He should be more selfish. Um, and, and he just isn't. But that does lead... To him having just an insane field goal percentage game. Again, another game over 50% from the field. Over He was at 60% from three. My only complaint is the guy did not get to the free throw lane once. Again, his body style, uh, the way they sometimes just let him play. Sometimes it's ticky-tack. Uh, but he, he did not get to the free throw line, so I would have liked to see that better. Cam Carter, good from the free throw line, four of six. Again, Marquise Noel, again, getting to the free throw line and hitting his free throws, nine of ten. Desi Sills, four of four from the free throw line. You had Desi with ten, Marquise Noel with twelve or 22, Keontae Johnson with seven. Those are your double-digit stores. Cam Carter with seven, Tomlin six. Again, Tomlin continues to just struggle with foul trouble. Again, he only had 17 minutes. Naquan Tomlin has to, again, for this team, and we're towards the end of the season. Things kind of, they just are what they are. But as you get into the NCAA tournament, for us to hopefully realize the potential, play to seed, get to that second weekend, you need you need Naquan Tomlin to play just a little bit smarter, not get some of these fouls. He had two fouls under K State's own bucket, you know, fouling ninety feet or six, however many feet away. You know, it's almost baseline to baseline. That's where he got two of his fouls under our own bucket, not contesting a rebound, but trying to poke away something, trying to hack away uh, under our own hoop. If Naquan Tomlin can get rid of some of these uh, kind of, I, I don't want to say stupid, but some of these just just not smart. I mean, I, they, they are. They're just stupid fouls. Um, and, and he's not the only one. I, I think Keontae Johnson can do this at times too. But we're now in March. The next game they play is going to be in March. And you have to turn that key and... Start playing start playing smart and, and valuing your time out there. Him only playing 17 minutes uh, really limits how well this team can play. Now you got decent minutes from David Gasson off the bench. Three of four, uh, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, six points. Ish Masood, two of six from the field, only one of four from three point, had five points. Ejiola and uh, Tyke Green. Tyke Green played 14 minutes. Uh, had three rebounds. He had a block. I thought he gave you good minutes out there. He hustled. He was that you know Chris Merriweather, but better. You know that that is that is kind of the comp you have for Tyke Green. This is an energy guy who is far more athletic 
than them, and, and he he really has bought in. Uh, I might talk about this a little bit tomorrow as well, but Tyke Green going from playing all those minutes, being the focal point at Stony Brook, only to turn around and say, hey, look, I want to win. I want to go to the NCAA tournament. I want to be on a team that makes a run. And him doing what it takes, giving the team what they need, and not pouting because, oh, he's not, you know, the second or third option scoring. Not pouting because he's not playing 24 minutes a game. Um, I, I think that really says a lot about the culture and the buy-in that Jerome Tang has created with this team. Because, again, you brought in all these transfers. All of them were the guy at their position. You know, they were the guy, one of the scoring options at their other school. And they came into K-State and they all bought into what their role was. And I think that says a lot about these players and about Jerome Tang. Let's talk a little bit about Jerome Tang. Uh, and, and and here's the thing. I, I thought K- K-State scores a bucket to get it back within four after Oklahoma State goes on this run to start the second half. They go on this run. K-State starts whittling it back. Gets it to within four, and Jerome Tang decides to get a technical. He 100% deserved it. Uh, clapping, screaming at the officials, he runs by clapping, doing that type of stuff. More times than not, that's going to get you a technical. He says that, I, I don't know if he said he wanted the technical, but he said in a post game he wanted to make a point. Now, I don't think it really did much to change the way the game was called from that point on. Um, Some folks might disagree with me. I don't know. But what you can't disagree with is, despite us being on a run and just handing them two points, the team did continue to take off. They got the lead, and they really didn't look back from that point. Now, do do I think he needed to get that technical to get them fired up? Uh, And like I said, I don't think the referees really called the game any different. Uh, No, that's my opinion. But here's the thing. I'm talking in a microphone two to three times a week, uh, you know, in my basement or in my office. Jerome Tang is going to win Big 12 Coach of the Year. He might win National Coach of the Year. So, you know, I I will continue to kind of question a few things. I hate the idea of calling a timeout to save a possession outside of a close game under eight minutes. Absolutely hate it. We did it under three, like in the first three minutes. I thought that was stupid. I bet again, I am a random dude who is 31 doing a podcast about K-State Sports and his dog. Um, I'll continue to fire off my opinion because, hey, it is what it is. But, I mean, Jerome Tang knows what he's doing. And, and if he says, hey, it fired up the team. And if he thinks that they called the game a little different, then all the power to him. Jerome Tang, you continue to get technicals all you want, my friend, if the game is going to turn out like that. Ultimately, I, I don't think Oklahoma State is going to end up in the NCAA tournament. I think they are sputtering here down the stretch. I know how... I mean, I know what a gauntlet the Big 12 is. Ultimately, I, th- I think the Big 12 is going to get six or seven teams into the tournament when I think we deserve eight or nine. Uh, you know, because, again, it is a gauntlet. If you look at strength of record, strength of schedule, all that type of stuff. Um, but this was a game I think K-State 
needed to win. I think it's a game K-State deserved to win. And it's a game I'm, I'm glad we won. It gets that boogeyman off your back when it, to- when it comes to road games. I, I think it is another great game for Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel to really start feeling themselves. I'm starting to think that really outside of Naquan Tomlin, everyone is realizing what their role is on this team and uh, you know contributing. They're, they're doing what they are supposed to do and what they need to do for this team to make noise in Kansas City and then in the NCAA tournament. Really at the macro, when you're looking at this game as a whole, my only complaint is with Naquan Tomlin. Again, it's back-to-back games where when he's on the floor, he's efficient. You know, he was 3-3 three of three on his field goal attempts. He had four rebounds. But he only played 17 minutes and had four fouls. You know, we talked about his game versus Baylor. Again, able to make noise, able to be a massive plus on the floor when he's on the floor. You just need to get it so Naquan Tomlin is playing closer to 27 minutes than 17 minutes. And then if he can do that, I mean, why not? Like, you know, when I start thinking about the NCAA tournament, if you can get Naquan Tomlin to play 27 minutes instead of 17 minutes, I I just think to myself, why not? Uh, I want to give a shout out to the K-State fans who were there in the building that's a trip I've made a couple times. I'm actually undefeated. I'm 2-0 and when seeing K-State play basketball in Stillwater. 0-4 uh, when I see us play football. Um, I mean, and I'll probably go to the football game on the Friday this fall. Don't yell at me. I know. But I'll probably go. Uh, but I want to give a shout-out to the K-State fans because uh, the, the building, again... <laughs> There were some people like before the game who said, oh, it's going to be half K-State fans. No, it wasn't half K-State fans, but there's probably 2,000 K-State fans in the building. You could hear them on the TV broadcast. You could hear them on the radio broadcast. Uh, some of the anecdotes that you saw on Twitter after the game, uh, some of those pictures, some of the videos. Again, I, I want to give a shout-out to K-State fans uh, because, again, you know, Stillwater's what, two hours from Wichita or something like that? There, there's a large population of K-State fans in southern Kansas. Uh, it, look, Oklahoma State does not fill that building. They've only had 10,000 fans in Gallagher-Iba five times since Mike Boynton's been the head coach. Uh, they haven't sold it out once since Mike Boynton's been the head coach. Uh, I love that K-State fans are like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to put 5,000 people in purple down there. But, hey... We're we're gonna make we're gonna have enough that it is that it is known. So uh, if it's a Saturday game next year, I might just have to join you guys. Uh, I, I want to give a shout out to all of them. Uh, and hell, I, I'm looking forward to Wednesday, Senior Night versus Oklahoma. It, definitely one that you have to win. Uh, you, you don't want. I mean, uh, I mean, we, we, look, we lost to Oklahoma uh, in their house. Iowa State got shit pumped by Oklahoma in Hilton. Uh, so they're a capable team. They are more than capable of beating us. But on senior night, now that we are really fighting for a two seed, I think we are almost cemented at worst as a three seed. Uh, you know, if you beat Oklahoma, uh, yes, at worst you're a three seed. If you go to 
Morgantown and you lose, and then if you drop to TCU in the 3-6 game uh, in Kansas City, I think you're still going to be a three-seed. Uh, but you're fighting for a two-seed. And if you want a shot at having the two-seed, that's what's on the line versus Oklahoma. Having a, a tied for the best record in Bramlage Coliseum. So it would be tied with Bruce Weber. I believe Bruce Weber's first season at K-State with only one home loss. Uh, those are some things that are on the line. Uh, and then again, just one final send-off for those seniors. Uh, before I kind of give my thoughts, kind of give my, uh, you know, 600th episode address, uh, I do want to talk about bracketology. I, I talked about it right there. I think I, I think they're, even if we were to lose to Oklahoma, say we lose our next three games before the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't predict it. I think we're going to beat Oklahoma. And then I'm hoping we get the first one in Kansas City. We'll see. Uh, the game at West Virginia is going to be tough. That might be Bob Huggins' last game in Morgantown. They're fighting. They're on the bubble. It's their senior night. That one might be tough. But I, I, I think I think we are very close to cementing a three seed. And I think we can. And I think right now we would be right there. I think we'd either be the top three seed or the last two seed. I think we're right there at that 8-9 juncture on the S-curve right now. Uh, and that's going to, going to be enough that it gives us a favorable location, Des Moines or Denver. Now, if say you were to lose the final three games of the season, that's when things could get a little dicey. The teams you really need to be looking out for right now, Baylor, Texas, Arizona, and Gonzaga. And I'll explain. KU has... Top billing already locked in in Des Moines. They're going to be a one seed, and they're going to be in Des Moines for the first two rounds. Now, next come Baylor and Texas. Both of those schools are basically equidistance Des Moines and Denver. Now, if both of them happen to be in front of K-State on the S-curve, I can see them both going to Denver, I could see one going to Des Moines, one going to Denver. I'm not sure how the selection committee will kind of let it go. Now, where Arizona and Gonzaga come into play, Arizona, equidistance, Denver, and Sacramento. Now, in, in in a perfect world, if if, if the selection committee had it their way, I think they would probably, or if the S-curves worked out, I think it'd be K-State and KU in Des Moines, Baylor and Texas and Denver, and Arizona and Sacramento. Where things start getting wonky is if Gonzaga rises through the ranks high enough to get in front of Arizona, get in front of K-State, grab that Sacramento spot, with UCLA, which would force Arizona to Denver, and then it comes down to can K-State get in front of one of Baylor or Texas. I know that's a word salad, but really, if you need teams to root against,
Arizona and Gonzaga, two easy ones. Uh, as long as we are in front of one of those teams in the S-curve, I think we're going to be okay and be in either Denver or Des Moines, Iowa. Personally, I think it's going to be Des Moines, Iowa. I think I'd rather it be Denver, quite honest with you. I, I think uh, I think a lot of KU fans already have their tickets. I don't think there's a fan base who is going to take over Denver. I think tickets would be cheaper on the secondary market if we end up in Denver. So that's what I'll be hoping for. Finally, 600 episodes. I mean, this is wild. Um, I remember... When Grant and I decide we are going to do this, and we're coming up on the five-year anniversary here, like three or four weeks from now, it'll be five years, 600 episodes, um, I'll toot my own horn and say, hey, there's probably a hundred of those that are legitimately pretty good. I would probably say there's probably 300 of them that are absolute shit, and probably 200 of them that are somewhere in between. Um... But being able to do this almost for five years, being and I've been doing this solo really for about 14 months now at this point, um, it would not have gone this far if I didn't, A, enjoy doing it. Um, if I like doing something, I'm going to continue to do it whether or not we have the thousands of listeners every episode or not. Um, but it does make it more fun. It, it is more enjoyable knowing that there are a few thousand of you that are going to listen no matter what it is. You know, uh, we had like one episode, I think I just put out an episode where I was like, hey, Merry Christmas, everyone, and and published it on Christmas Day. I think that was Christmas Day 2021. I was just like, yeah, Merry Christmas, and had some Christmas music playing in the background. It was like a 10-minute episode, and a couple thousand people just downloaded it. You know, uh, it it doesn't matter what it is, off-season, regular season now, There sure as hell were a lot more of you that downloaded the episodes as we were going for Arlington. We had record-breaking months. Um, A lot more of you are listening this basketball season than last basketball season. Um, But it's a lot more fun, and it's a lot easier to link up, you know, the laptop and the microphone and talk into it for a half hour to an hour, uh, you know, when there is this community. Um, and what we have built is a community, you know, the bonehead community, uh, everyone who's listening, interacting on Twitter coming up, you know, at football, basketball games, tailgates, uh, just to talk about it, showing your koozies out there when you're drinking a nice, cold, refreshing Manhattan brewing company beer. Um, I mean, it really is amazing that that's gone 600 episodes now i don't know how many more are going to be left uh but i'm so happy we we we've hit another milestone uh you know 600 i'm excited that we're gonna hit five years um depending on what happens i i think we'll probably hit uh five years of consecutive uh, at least one episode every single week uh, those of you who have been around since the beginning, we kind of went, uh, I think we had like about a month off early on when we had to decide whether or not we were going to get equipment and pay for a hosting site for the show. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I mean, all these milestones are right around the corner. And again, I don't, I don't know 
I don't know if we'll get to 700. I don't know if we'll get to year six, but it has been an absolute pleasure doing this, uh, continuing to do this. Uh, of course, I want to thank Grant, who I, I'm going to try to get on for our five-year anniversary show. Will it be the actual fifth year? No, it's probably going to be after basketball season that we have that show. Um, but I want to thank Grant, who, again, he was you know the co-host for almost four full years of this. Uh, I want to give a thanks to my family, both my parents who have been on multiple episodes, to my dog Chauncey who has been holding it down in the co-host uh, pilot seat uh, over the last 14 months. I want to thank all the boneheads. I want to thank all these guests, especially you know Jimmy Goheen who's been a big time guest. Derek Young who has been a big time guest over the last 600 episodes. Drew Galloway, Grant Flanders, Matt Hall, uh, Gene Taylor. I mean, he's had some of the biggest shows on here. Uh, Bruce Weber, Chris Kleiman, Taylor Bratt, Van Malone, Brian Anderson, Coach Sutton, Coach Bourne, Jacob Pollan, uh, Skylar Thompson, Travis Tannehill. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, Jesse Ertz. Uh, we've had so many great guests. Everyone who does the live shows. Again, you don't get to 600 episodes doing anything uh, without a lot of help from a lot of people. Uh, so I, this is just a big thank you to all of them. Um, we will have an episode tomorrow. There will be no live show. I'm planning on going to Bramlage Coliseum on Wednesday uh, for that game versus Oklahoma. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. There will not be a live show. Um, that will return next week uh, during, I think it's the 8-9 game for the Big 12 tournament on Wednesday. So I will uh, bring the live show back. That will that will kill the streak of live shows. Not quite making it to one a week for a full week. Actually, no. Because uh, there wasn't one in June There was one week in June we didn't have a live show But again, that streak will come to an end There will be no live show But we will pick it up again next week So, again, that's all I have If you're still listening uh, Thank you so much um, It's been a fun ride It's not over <laughs> I mean, this, it probably sounds a little bit like Oh, you know, it, it's over No, there's going to be episode 601 tomorrow Most likely uh, there will there will be an episode six hundred one tomorrow, and then there's going to be three episodes again next week, uh, and then we're going to get ready for the NCAA tournament, folks. Um, so I, I do want to just say thank you one more time. Uh, I love all the boneheads, and I love K State sports. So for Chauncey Bosco, he loves you guys as well, and go Cats! It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas 
Social Podcast Network.